Hey there, and welcome back to a very special, spooky episode of A Conversation for One Podcast, the podcast where I ramble on about horror and sci-fi multimedia, film franchise and universes, theme parks, Canadiana, and so much more. I hope you all are enjoying your October this year, a very special, spooky October. Now, last year, I did a Halloween episode in which I recorded several creepypasta stories. Now, I got a lot of good feedback for those stories, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to spoil them this year, and I gathered up a couple spooky creepypastas and also no-sleep stories to uh, tickle you and, and fill you with fright this spooktober. Also on this episode, to close us out, we have Dan Shawls from the Folktale Project to give us something of a Halloween story palate cleanser. I hope you all enjoy. Let us begin. So our first tale this evening is called Movie Buff. I can see him out there. I know this game. Helpless, unsuspecting 20-something, having a quiet night in while the folks are out of town. Sits down, watch a scary movie. The setup is just too perfect. The only chance I've got is getting the first strike in. I'm not fucking going down like some two-dimensional aging star trying to pretend they're a teenager. Tools? What have I got? Enough, I hope. A quick check to make sure he's still there. Yeah, he's gone nowhere. I can see the mask and flowing black. Scream, the film about avoiding film cliches. And here I find one stood right in front of me. The only thing between us is the door. I'm sure he can hear my labored breathing, my not as light as I'd like footsteps. He rings the doorbell. Bastard, trying to catch me unaware. I don't fucking think so. I can just about make out his knife, clutched in close to his robe. It looks dull, tarnished. I'd call it lifeless, but it feels too much like an omen. I edge my way to the kitchen. The closest thing we've got to a weapon is the assortment of cooking knives. Fine, if it's a night fight, then I'm going to make the first lunge. I compose myself for a minute, breathing some of the ash from my lungs before stepping back into the living room so I can make my way to the door. He's at the window. Game over. It's now or never. The police are are never going to get here in time. The knife is in my hand. Its weight isn't nearly as reassuring as I had hoped it would be. The handle is moist in my sweaty palm, and I'm trembling so much I think I'll drop it from behind my back and give the game away. This is it. My heart is practically through my ribcage as I reach for the door. No fear. If you're going down, go down fighting. I wonder if this is how every man on point felt when breaching a room, how the brave souls of D-Day felt as they climbed into their boats. Death palpable, real, with a face. I twist the lock. The door swings freely with a push. I taste the air. Trick! He stops. The knife. I've never felt anything like it. The snag as it first hit, the grate as it connected with the bone, the touch of the robe as my hand finished driving home my defense, my salvation. It was over. It took a few seconds for any reaction. I didn't know if it was enough. I stared to those black holes which should hold eyes and saw nothing. Everything in me wanted to burst. He sways. A groan comes from behind the mask. I smell blood as he falls. I stand, trying to will the life back into my limbs. This is the part where they catch you. Dead? Sure. Dead just long enough for you to let your guard down. I drag him to the chopping block round back and make sure he's not coming back. It's all over. I get back inside and wash up. I cry. I I cry a lot. 
It feels like I've just been lifted from hell, Jesus wrapping a hand around my wrists when I needed it most. I've never been the religious type, but maybe it's time that changed. My heart drops, right back into the pit from where it was just lifted. There's a knock at the door, the doorbell ringing. I peer outside and see a group of children, teens, dressed as farmers. One looks like a priest, Stephen King, children of the corn, religious fanatics haunted by a bastardized deity roaming the fields. Five of them. Well, there may be more of them, but that means nothing. I've done this once, it's time for the sequel. I twist the lock. The door swings freely with a push. I taste the air. Trick or treat! Yeah, I'm not falling for that one again. So, pretty good, huh? Did you guys like that one? I thought that was quite the twist when I was reading it for the first time and I realized that it was a child he murdered. Oh, man. It took two reads, so maybe uh, rewind that back and listen again, but uh, I thought that one was uh, kind of suspenseful, kind of a little uh, treat more than a trick. Anyways, on to the next one. Now this next tale has a bit more of a common folklore kind of taste. It's uh, one of the few that we actually have before we get to our guest. This tale is called Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. It was a cold, silent night. The wind whistled and howled, its gales rasping against the glass window pane. A waning crescent hung from the pitch black sky, shrouded in the blue tinted gray clouds. I stared through the telescope, my mind full of wonders as my gaze met with the moon. Dormount was such a pretty village at night. Within my room, posters and photographs were affixed to the walls, displaying constellations, galaxies, skies, suns, moons, and stars, all of which were my passion. From the ceiling, a solar system sent light flowing into my room. Peter, Peter. A sound, a low grumble. It opposed the usual night sounds of dormant, of usually which consisted of cricket songs and rustling tree branches. And then I realized the sounds must have belonged to my mother's voice, coming to check up on me. I leapt into the bedsheets, switching off the lights in a, such a quick sequence I had forgotten I had even done so. Mother would kill me if she caught me awake at this time of night again. Pumpkin eater. Footsteps. The grumble I had heard earlier sounded once again, except this time I could interpret them as faint words. Was mother talking to someone? But who? We were the only ones who were here, and since father was at work, as far as I knew, lightning flashed. It sent light flooding into the room, lighting up my reflection in the mirror opposite me in my bed. Had a wife, but couldn't keep her. The sound grew louder. No, closer? A screeching sound caused my eardrums to throb with pain. It was so loud it was unbearable. It was as if metal was being dragged across the floorboards, coming closer and closer. Closer and closer. By now I'd begin to call out, Mother, is that you? But my voice was overcome by the metallic screeches. He put her in a pumpkin shell. Now it was clear to me that someone was singing a melody of some sort. It was too masculine and low-pitched to be my mother's voice. Though who else could it be? Paranoia ached through my bones, dreading the thought of a stranger inside my home. 
The screeching got louder. My heart beat furiously against my chest, as if trying to escape the girl that held a prisoner. Each of my breaths were shaky, whilst every part of my body trembled in utmost fear. And there he kept her very well. I bit my lip. For some reason, I couldn't convince myself everything was okay. I couldn't convince myself that it was anything but danger. I just couldn't. I couldn't function. I was too afraid. Afraid of what was behind that door. Of what was singing this eerie symphony. Another flash of lightning sent shivers down my spine, lighting up the mirror across the room. But in the brief showcase of my reflection, I wasn't alone. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. The words were unmistakable. Not only that, but something had been standing in the doorway. I had been sure of it. My inner instincts told me to hide, hide beneath the bedsheets and quilts, build a fortress of pillows and never leave. But I was frozen, frozen still in the unnerving, uncomfortable position that I always try to avoid sleeping in. The sound of multiple throbbing heartbeats echoed constantly in my mind, always there. Slam, the sound of the window shutting. Had another and didn't love her. My stomach twisted and turned inside my body as each word entered my ears. At this moment, I leapt out of my bed, shuffling to a corner of the room. I clung onto my teddy bear tightly and began to cry, as any 14-year-old would do. Father, if you're playing a trick on me, I swear... I yelled, my voice cracking and shattering as it left my throat, interrupting myself. An unnerving silence gave me time to lift the tears shrouding my sight. And there... I saw a shadowy figure standing still in the darkness. Lightning lit the yellowish-white silhouette of a toothy grin. Up the chimney he did shove her. This line stood out from the rest, as if the man before me was telling me my fate. He whispered it in an eerie tone, staring down at me with one hand gripping the axe, the other gripping scissors. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. Those were my final words, despite the fact that I'm sure I was not the one speaking them. Police report, Pumpkin Eater Case, Log 143, June 6, 1986. The case on the 14-year-old victim, Janice Bradford, and her 39-year-old mother, Mary Bradford, has finally concluded. Each of these corpses has been found together in the chimney of their home. It seems the Pumpkin Eater who is usually known to cut up his victims and stuff the remnants into pumpkin shells, has more than just one method of killing. This time it seems the two corpses were tormented with sharp unidentified objects as their eyes were gorged out along with the daughter's tongue. Then the two must have been forcefully shoved up the compact chimney and secured with barbed wire, perhaps even alive, for it would seem they both suffocated on soot before dying of blood loss. The idea of them being alive has been confirmed from multiple scratches seeming to have originated from human nails. In the insides of the chimney, both victims had multiple uneven, broken nails to support this theory. No clues were left behind for us to know who the killer was. It may not even be the pumpkin eater, but it seems to be too similar of a case to not relate somehow. More details to follow as the investigation concludes. Now, I'm not going to lie, this one actually really scared me when I first read it, and uh, just goes to show that some folklore legends might be true, and 
I'm also not going to lie. I definitely picked this one because the last name of these folks was Bradford, and that was my hometown. I know it's a weird thing, but it's my podcast. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. Just uh, keep an eye out this October. On to our next tale. Now this story is less of a creepypasta or a no-sleep tale from the internet lore. No, this tale is more steeped in tradition than anything, and it is a ghost tale. This is called, aptly, Ghost in the Alley. Rumors were rife about the alleyway behind the tavern. It was haunted, folks said. Haunted by the ghost of a young girl who had been found murdered in that self-same passage. People avoided the small street after dark, for the spirit was said to be a vengeful one. Of course, no one could name anyone whom the ghost had actually killed or hurt, but the tales were enough to keep the people away from the alley at night. Fortunately for the owners of the tavern that backed onto that alley, their front door faced a well-lit road, and so business was not slack. Then one night, while the tavern was full of drinkers, a nasty character named O'Hare wandered into the bar. Women and children were not safe in his presence, but especially not women. After O'Hare had consumed far too much alcohol, he suddenly announced to the bar that he had seen a pretty young thing in the alley out back of the tavern. The bartender froze in the middle of polishing a glass, and the men around the bar exchanged covert glances. No one said a word, but everyone was thinking about the ghost of the vengeful young girl. Everyone in the bar looked down at their glasses as he stumbled to his feet. No one made a move to stop him, and there was a quiet air of he deserves what's coming to him about the bar as O'Hare left the building. It's just too bad that there isn't really a ghost, thought the bartender, setting down the shining glass and picking up another one to polish. O'Hare sorely needed a lesson in human kindness and respect for others. At that moment, a horrible scream came from the alley, Everyone in the tavern looked up in shock and fear. Had there really been a ghost out there? Or was it O'Hare up to his old tricks, and even now accosting one of their womanfolk? The men leapt to their feet and raced to the back door of the tavern. Pouring out into the street, they were met by an unnatural cold, and their eyes were dazzled by a blaze of light. The bartender thrust his way to the front of the crowd and saw the body of O'Hare lying in a pool of bright white light. His throat had been torn to pieces, and blood was spilling out in gushes. Above him hovered the semi-transparent figure of a young girl, her eyes gleaming with red fire, her mouth covered with blood. She glared down at O'Hare, and then turned to look at the crowd. The specter licked the blood from her lips thoughtfully, her eyes on the bartender's neck. Then she vanished, taking the light with her. At their feet, O'Hare gasped out his last breath and died. The local authorities were summoned to deal with the body of O'Hare. Though skeptical at first, they were finally convinced, since there had been so many eyewitnesses who had seen the ghost of that girl hovering over that dying man. The bartender resigned his position that very next morning, and he took a job across town. The memory of the ghost's hungry stare at his neck prompted him to look elsewhere for employment. And honestly, who could blame him? Now, this one I actually really like. 
because while it is fictitious, it seems like such a standard run of the mill, not, not run of the mill. It seems like such a by the book ghost story that you would read in a haunted Canada or a haunted USA type novel that would perpetuate hauntings. And I am a big hauntings guy. I don't really believe in ghosts, but I love the idea of it. And that's why I included this one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And now for another tale. Now, this one here is my favorite of the bunch. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's a creepy pasta, so be ready for it. It's called, I'm a 911 operator, just had the most terrifying call. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, uh, hi. This is going to sound kind of strange, but there's a man stumbling around in circles in my front yard. Could you repeat that, sir? Uh, he looks sick or lost or drunk or something. I just woke up to get a glass of water and I heard snow crunching around underneath my front window. So I peeked out. I'm looking at him now. He's about 10 yards away from my window. Uh, something's not right. What is your address, sir? 1617 Quarry Lane in Pinella Pass. I'm going to send a squad car your way, but that's quite a ways out. Are you alone in your house, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm alone. Can you confirm that all of your doors and windows are locked? Stay on the phone with me. Uh, I know that my front door is definitely locked, um, but I'll go check my back door again really quick. I, I appreciate your help, by the way. I, I know this is kind of strange, but I really hope that... Sir, are you still there? He, he's, 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 still in the, he's still in the yard, but he's... What the fuck? He's upside down. Sir, stay on with me. What is happening? He, he's staring right at me, but he's... He's standing on his hands now. He's he's perfectly still staring straight at me. He's, he's doing a handstand and he's he's smiling at me, not moving. He's doing a handstand. He's doing a handstand, sir. I, I, I don't I don't know how he's yeah, he's facing me and standing on his hands and he's got this huge smile and he's still perfectly still. What what the fuck? Please get someone here now. Sir, I need you to remain calm. I put out the call and an officer is on his way. His teeth are so huge. What the fuck? Please help me. Sir, I want you to try and keep an eye on him, but make sure your back door is locked again. We need to make sure all possible access points are secured. Can you talk to me through and confirm that your back door is locked? Yeah. Okay. I'm walking backwards now. And I'm keeping him in my sight. My hand is on the back doorknob now. It's locked. I need to check on the deadbolt, so I'm going to take my eyes off of him for one split second. All right, sir. Help is on the way. Just stay on the phone with me. Everything is going to be all right. Sir? Sir, are you still there? He's... His face... It's up against the glass now. Sir, I need you to speak up. What is happening? I, I, I looked away for a split second, and now his, his face. It, it's pressed up against my front window. His teeth are huge, and he's still smiling. There's, there's no color in his eyes. 
Jesus, please help me. Why won't you just fucking move? Why won't he just fucking move? Sir, I need you to go to the nearest room and lock yourself inside of it. Do you have a basement or a bedroom that you can lock yourself in? He won't stop staring. He's going to hurt me. Sir, I need you to listen to me. Lock yourself somewhere safe until the officer arrives at your house. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yes. I'm, I'm going to go lock myself in my room. And you're positive that you're alone in your house, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm alone in my Wait a wait a minute, oh my. He's moving. He's shaking his head. He's shaking his head. He's telling me no. He, he can hear us. What the? What is that? He's telling me I'm not alone? Sir? Sir, are you still there? I heard a loud noise. Is everything all right? Sir? Now that one is easily my favorite one. I just love how the back and forth, it's so simple and yet me reading it to you guys creeped me out. It creeped me out a lot, actually. Gave me the spooks, and that's why you guys are listening. And now, if it's about that time, we're going to start wrapping it up. But gave you guys some creepy ones, and, uh, you know, Halloween's also a fun season. It's a holiday, but to me, October is just Halloween. And so I was lucky enough to get Mr. Dan Schultz from The Folktale Project, which is an amazing podcast. I've been listening for a while now. If you guys are into fairy tales and folklore, the Grimm Brothers stuff, Hans Christian Andersen, he is the guy. He does an amazing story three times a week, and his voice ugh, is just something else. So here's Mr. Dan Schultz with a little bit of a palate cleanser, ending us on a high note of the tale of Stingy Jack. Enjoy. This is Dan Scholes for the Folktale Project, and I'm here to tell you a story. A story of, well, a Halloween tale. Something that you may not have known about the origins of the jack-o'-lantern. This is Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack was a miserable old drunk who loved playing tricks on anyone and everyone. One dark Halloween night, Jack ran into the devil himself in a local public house. Jack tricked the devil by offering his soul in exchange for one last drink. The devil quickly turned himself into a sixpence to pay the bartender, but Jack immediately snatched the coin and deposited it into his pocket next to a silver cross that he was carrying. Thus, the devil could not change himself back, 
and Jack refused to allow the devil to go free until the devil had promised him not to claim Jack's soul for ten years. The devil agreed, and ten years later, Jack again came across the devil while out walking on a country road. The devil tried collecting what he was due, but Jack, thinking quickly, said, I'll go, but before I do, will you get me an apple from that tree? The devil, thinking he had nothing to lose, jumped up into the tree to retrieve an apple. As soon as he did, Jack placed crosses all around the trunk of the tree, thus trapping the devil once again. This time, Jack made the devil promise that he would not take his soul when he finally died. Seeing no way around this predicament, the devil grudgingly agreed. When Stingy Jack eventually passed away several years later, he went to the gates of heaven, but he was refused entrance because of his life of drinking and because he had been so tight-fisted and deceitful. So Jack then went down to hell to see the devil and find out whether it was possible to gain entrance into the depths of hell. But the devil kept the promise that he had made to Jack years earlier and would not let him enter. But where can I go? asked Jack. Back to where you came from, replied the devil. The way back was windy and very dark. Stingy Jack pleaded with the devil to at least provide him with a light to help him find his way. The devil, as a final gesture, tossed Jack an ember straight from the fires of hell. Jack placed the ember in a hollowed-out turnip, one of Jack's favorite foods which he always carried around with him whenever he could steal one. From that day forward, Stingy Jack has been doomed to roam the earth without a resting place, and with only his turnip to light the way in the darkness. And that is the legend of Stingy Jack. And the origin of the jack-o'-lantern, although originally it was a turnip. There you have it nonetheless. Thank you so much to Tyler and the rest of the crew for inviting me on to tell you this tale. You can find The Folktale Project at folktaleproject.com or anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts, where we bring you three new tales every week from all around the world. As always, thank you so much for listening. And that about does it for this episode of Spooky Scary Stories, or whatever it is I'm going to call it. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you guys are having an amazing October. And if this is the only episode of A Conversation for One podcast that you end up listening to this October, I hope you guys have an amazing Halloween full of frights and fun. Um, Feel free to leave me a five-star review on wherever you're listening to this. And just know you can download this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Find me on Instagram, on Twitter, at ACFO Podcast. And uh, I look forward to having you guys listen again and making new episodes for you. Until then, have a very spooky Halloween and uh, stay rad and Tyler out.
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.